Amen. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray. Both Pastor Aaron and I are going to preach together this morning. We're both excited to see how that goes. <laughs> and, uh, but before we jump into the word this morning, I just want to pray. Uh, I want to also pray for uh, a, a person that's very dear to our church, LaVon Hira. She's, we call her Grandma LaVon. She's like a grandma to this house. And part, a big part of what we're going to be sharing today with you is one of the, 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 la the last prophetic word that she gave to us uh, just a few, few weeks ago. And what she felt like was a word of the Lord for our house. And we want to share that with you today. And she is not feeling well at the moment. She is in the hospital and she needs a miracle in her body. And so we want to pray for her and believe God to do a work in her life. And we're so thankful for her and we love her dearly. So let's, as we pray, we're going to pray for her and then we're going to put our focus on, on the Lord as we ask him to speak to us in his word today. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, for meeting with us and for us communing with you in this amazing atmosphere of, of worship and communion and remembering who you are, remembering what you've done. And Lord, we set our focus and our gaze fully on you. We ask that you would prepare our hearts and open our ears and our hearts to receive from your word today. And Lord, we lift up Grandma LaVon to you, Lord. God, she is your precious daughter. And Lord, we ask that what you paid for in that cross, Lord, to be reality in her body. God, that you would do a miracle work in her kidneys and in her body, we ask. God, restore her strength, Lord. Restore her. Bring peace and life upon her, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for her. May the, the words that she has released into this house come to pass, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, for the sake of time, we're just going to jump right in and, and, and go through some scriptures with you and some thoughts with you. So about a month and a half ago when COVID came through our wonderful church family here, I called Grandma LaVon and was talking to her on the phone. And as we're talking and we were going to pray at the end, she was going to pray over our our church, she says, I feel like the Lord just gave me a word for you and for your church. And this is, this is what it is. And she be, just began to quote from memory some phrases of verses. And she's like, you need to look this up. I believe it's in the book of Leviticus. And I was like, Leviticus? The, the Lord is speaking to us right now through Leviticus. And I, I mean, I'm joking, but the Lord has spoken to us from this book before. Many different messages we've done of asking the Lord to rekindle the fire in our hearts as the priests would have to put fresh fire on the altar every day. And all, you know, using different examples and illustrations from the word and that for us today. But she, we began to quote a passage. And so after we, we prayed and we talked and hung up, I, I looked up these verses, and I want to read them to you. It's uh, Leviticus 26, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read all of it right now, but we, we, we aren't going to have the time to go through every passage and every part of it. We're going to maybe get through the first couple today. But this passage really confirmed for us that we were on the right track. It really confirmed for us the things that God had already been doing and speaking to us and that we needed to continue in that direction. So Leviticus 26 verse 1 says, Do not make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourselves, and do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I am the Lord your God. Verse 2, Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. 
If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting. And you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in the land, and and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. You will, you will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to, you'll have to move it out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor, abhor you. I know I didn't say that right, but you understand. I will walk among you and you and you will I will mock, walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Amen. If you've been with us for a while, you know you can resonate probably with a several of these verses of different themes and different things that we have shared and talked about over the last several months and weeks. Amen? About being a divine dwelling place, being a place where God would come and not just visit, but he would stay. About being a place where there would be a great harvest. We've talked a lot about, uh, last week Aaron talked about Sabbaths and rest. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. We've talked about uh, many of these different things. And uh, we're going to go through a couple of these again today. But anytime you see a passage of scripture... New Testament or Old Testament where there is a commandment given, where the, God, where the Lord gives a commandment to his people, it is simply an area where the heart of God is being revealed. There is a heartbeat of God behind the commandment. It is not to be a rule or a law or something that you must just do, black or white, yes or no, right or wrong. It is simply his heart being revealed through that command. And so he's revealing an aspect of his heart and his nature as he gives us these. So when you go through this passage and you see some commands and you see if you will obey these commands, then this will come. This is revealing the heart of God, that he does desire to be amongst his people. He does desire to bless his people and to allow a harvest of souls and of a blessing to come if we will follow these commands. And it reveals his heart and his nature to us. And so the first one... You see here is no idols, no images. Have you ever wondered in reading the Old Testament and the scriptures why God ever asked his people not to have any images or any idols? Have you ever asked yourself? You don't have to answer right now. It's a rhetorical question for you to think on and ponder. Praise the Lord. It's a preaching technique if you were wondering. (laughs) But I've asked that question. I've wondered that. Okay, God, you're invisible. Why did you create this, you know, rule, this law, this, this commandment for no idols and no images? It, wouldn't it be easier if you gave us some type of image or form to help us understand you? And here's the amazing thing, is that there, there is no images or idols for us to set up or to worship or to see because Jesus is the one we were to see. In Colossians 1.15, it says the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. 
the firstborn over all creation. God's invisibility is an invitation for you to press in beyond what you can see in the natural, beyond natural reasoning and logic, and step into a realm that is beyond all of those things and to see him in a real and tangible way. You can see the face of God in Jesus. I'm just going to give you this reference because I don't have time enough to go through, but 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6, it would be a great passage for you to read, talks about the glory of God is revealed in the face of Jesus. He is the image of God. We were meant to see him. Moses had the burning bush experience, and it says he hid his face from God. He was afraid to look upon him. And later on, Moses would be the one that would only go, the only one who would ascend the mountain to go and be in the glory cloud of God, to be with the presence of God. And in that cloud, Moses said, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. And about Moses, God said things that he said about no one else. When I speak to Moses, I speak face to face with him as a man speaks to his friend. And it says in Hebrews 11 that Moses endured. He, he persevered because he saw the one who was invisible. It's possible to see him, to see him in Jesus. And Jesus said this about himself in John 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? If you Look at Jesus, you will see all of God, because all of God is in Christ, and all of Christ is in God. Jesus can say these things because he is God. So what has your attention? What has your focus? What has your gaze right now? Is it all the political things? Is it all the stuff in our world and our circumstances? What has your focus? Is it on him? Are you looking to the one that you were meant to see? Or are you looking at everything else? I want to just... Close this thought with this quote by Corey Ten Boom. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look upon Christ, you will have rest. This is what God has for us, church. I feel like after he says that, we should all go boom. That's just a, that's a cheating word, cheating name. Like if you're a preacher or a revivalist and your name is Corey Ten Boom, like Christofferson doesn't quite have the same punch to it. Um, uh, it's very true. It's just a boring, long German name. All right. Too many letters that my kids have to learn the whole alphabet to write. I, I've, last week we talked about the Sabbath. Who here uh, went home last week and was like, praise God. So excited for this. Amen. Amen. I'm sure many others were like, oh my gosh, what did I just hear? Which I've been on that journey for the last couple months myself. And one thing I know is this, is that the, the gospel of Jesus is, is more about being available than it is about being capable. It is about are you willing and available for your life to be used by the Lord? Are you available for your life to change so that Jesus can become Lord of your life. Evangelism, which we just did a series of evangelism, 
is about are you available? It is not about are you capable? God is not looking for capable people. He does not look across this room and say, is Jason capable of living for me? Well, I don't know about that, so I don't think I can use him. No, he's saying, is Jason willing to be used by me? That's who I will use. He is not looking for people who are capable because they've gone to Bible college or because they've studied the Word of God or they've spent thousands of hours in prayer. He's looking for people with a surrendered heart to simply say, God, I will obey and I will follow you. This is what he is after. So when we talk about the Sabbath, it is about are you available? It is not are you capable? I am not capable of following the Sabbath. If you weren't here last week, I preached a message on the Sabbath, a message I have never heard in church before, a principle I've never heard taught, a principle I have never followed in my life. And the Lord came to me a couple months ago and said, Aaron, if you want to last the journey, if you want to succeed in the race I've called you to do, if you want your church to fulfill what I've called them to do, then they must understand the principle of rest and the principle of Sabbath. And I related it to the, the idea of tithing, which I don't even have time to go in even briefly this morning, but tithing is, is can you trust the Lord with you and him with 90 is better than you on your own with 100? Similarly, can you trust the Lord that you and him with six days is better than you on your own with seven? Following the principle of the Sabbath or rest is about availability. Is there margin in your life or is it too tight to where you don't even have capability for the Lord to change it? This week, I talked with a pastor in Florida who um, I speak with very regularly and was discussing what the Lord had been teaching me over the last couple months. And he, he told me how it, almost exactly at the same time the Lord began to teach him about the Sabbath and began to teach him about rest. And they've been implementing it in their church and in their staff. And I believe the Lord is trying to speak something very specifically because I know that, that God wants to bring a move of the Spirit of God, not just in India and not just in Pakistan and not just in Iran and not just in Brazil, places where God is moving powerfully, but here. Not just in the United States of America, but in Southwest Washington. And the only way that that move of God will, will last and the only way that we will be, be a people that will be able to be conduits of that move of God is if we understand how to be at peace and have rest in our lives so that we can run the race set out before us. But it requires us to understand this principle of rest. Amen. Amen. I can't succeed unless I am at rest. You will not be able to fulfill the calling on your life if you are empty. If your tanks are empty in life, you will not be able to succeed in the areas that God has called you in. As a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as an employee, as a son or daughter of God, if you are empty and you do not refresh yourself, you will fall short. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Yes. You need to strengthen yourself. And this is a subject that I have been dreading to talk about because it doesn't, like, excite me. Like, I feel like I, it doesn't wake me up in the morning and be like, let's talk about Sabbath. Praise God. But I do know that in order for the hunger of God, 
I do know that in order for a move of God, I do know that in order for revival to come to this region, if we fail in this area, we won't last. This church has been called by God to be a conduit of a move of the Spirit of God in this region. And all of us are included in that if we're available. And availability is the starting point. But a place of rest and Sabbath in our lives will carry us to the end. Okay, this is very important. And this morning, I want to give you some practical applications. Before I do that, I praise God for time. I love time. It just keeps going. I want to say this. The Lord has been bringing me back to the, the, the place in the word about Samuel. And Samuel is there, little, little boy Samuel. And he's asleep and he hears the voice of God. Samuel. Samuel. And he runs. He runs to the priest. He doesn't recognize the voice of God. Hears it again. Runs to the priest. Doesn't recognize the voice of God. And finally, he realizes that's God speaking. And he says, here I am, Lord. And if we're not careful, we can be in a place. It's believed he was literally sleeping in the temple. We can be there and not even recognize the voice of God when he's speaking to us. Jacob is there and he says, God was here and I wasn't even aware of it. That if you're not careful, we can be such in a routine. We can become so familiar with a church service, so familiar with life, that we don't even hear when God's trying to get our attention. And so we won't change. We won't even recognize it being his voice. We'll think it's a man's voice when it's actually God speaking to us. And I'm telling you that God is speaking to you about rest. In Isaiah chapter 6, God is saying, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And then the Lord says, go. That if you're not available, if you're not listening, you won't recognize that it's the Lord and you won't go. You'll stay where you are. You'll never go from glory to glory to glory. You'll never move forward with the Lord. We need to be people that recognize the voice of God. Amen. In Exodus Chapter 31, it says, therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath. Do we got that up there on the screen? Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Amen. Glory. There is a death sentence related to breaking the Sabbath. Because if you don't observe it, you are killing yourself. For, every, for whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generation as a perpetual covenant. This is a covenant and a principle from generation to generation to generation. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For on six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Jesus created, the glory of the Lord just came into the room, the Sabbath day to refresh you. God, the maker of heavens and the earth, needed the Sabbath. So let me be very clear. People who say, I don't think I need it, or I don't have time for it, God took the Sabbath. God did. God took the Sabbath. He knew that he needed it. 
And if he needs it, so do you. In the six days, he spoke and he created. And on the seventh day, he breathed in and felt refreshed. He took a breath in. I want to give you some practical things about the Sabbath that I didn't have time to cover last week. And I technically don't have time to cover today. Praise God. But I want to give you some things that maybe will answer some of these questions for you. Because I'm sure a lot of people left last week like, I love the idea of the Sabbath but I don't know how I can possibly do that. It doesn't make sense. I work 40 hours or 60 hours a week. I've got kids or I'm a single parent or I've got children. How do I do the Sabbath, right? Well, so I had some people ask me, they're like, so do I get a babysitter for 24 hours? You're not taking a Sabbath from, from your children. Your children are not work. They are a privilege. They're a blessing. Somebody's laughing really hard over there. (laughs) Praise God. Some days my child is the iron sharpening my iron. But praise God, it is a blessing. Do Sabbath with your children. Okay, don't exclude them. You don't need a babysitter to take a Sabbath. Okay? What if you're a single parent and you've got little, little kids? Prepare. Okay, let me be practical. Our kids, they come to church. We're prepared. We bring snacks. We bring changes of clothes. We bring coloring items. We are prepared for seven hours at this building. Be prepared. Think ahead. Make dinner ahead of time. Get crafts for the day ahead of time. Think ahead. Plan. Okay? Let me give you an example practically of what, like, my wife and I, we've done this on the last two Sabbaths we've taken. She'll go work out because to her that refreshes her. To me, that does nothing like refreshing. I do not feel refreshed after I work out. It is a duty. I have to take care of this temple. Gosh, so she goes and works out. I'll take the kids and I'll go shopping. That refreshes me. It does. You're all like, you're lying. It really does. Thank you. I don't, get to go, I don't get to go grocery shopping. So this is, I love it. Like, it's fun. Like, walking down the aisle, grabbing unhealthy things because my wife isn't with me and putting them in the cart. I love it. And I, I'm like, we'll just go to Costco and we'll just, it refreshes me. Find what refreshes you. Like, I just, we'll stare at the Christmas items. We'll walk down, we'll just look at them, and then we'll walk back. Oh, my gosh, it's so good. And then we'll go back again. Just push the button, Kingsley. Oh, listen to the song. Oh, it's just amazing. This is what I do. Like, that refreshes me. We'll just walk the aisles at Costco and just, it's so great. I'm excited just talking about it. I want to go right now. Do what refreshes you. Maybe it's yard work. Maybe it's shooting a deer. Maybe it's fishing. (laughs) Jeffrey and I are like, we go to the Costco to buy the deer and to buy the fish. You all take a lot of work to get your food. We just go pay for it. Get the barcode, baby. That's called fishing in my book. Do what refreshes you. But I want to be very clear. If you are leaving your family thinking, I'm going to go spend four hours at the golf course and thinking that that's my Sabbath. Now you guys figure it out over there and you don't let your wife go for four hours. When you get home, you've missed it. Okay? You are a team. You need to partner together. Pastor Casey gave an example at our staff meeting. Him and his family 
when we had them, would go chase sunsets. Get in the car as a family, drive around, go look for a sunset. Okay? Our, our family, every time after dinner, we go in the living room, we put a show on for our three-year-old because she can't read yet, and then the rest of us, we grab books, and we just read to ourselves. It is the most amazing moment of our week. It's just quiet. We're all just reading. And then Charlie would be like, what's that word say? Shut up. <laughs> but we're just enjoying community, enjoying ourselves reading. <laughs> you all just say it in your heads. I, yeah, I don't actually say that to her. I don't have time to read this, but in Second Chronicles, it, it talks about how the land needs rest, that the children of Israel did not observe the Sabbath for 490 years. And then they were taken into captivity so that the land could rest. Think about that for a moment. They disobeyed, and we know this today, agriculturals, however you say it, people who like agriculture, know that the land needs to rest every couple of years. If it doesn't, it's not going to produce well. That's the principle of heaven. And God said the land is to rest every seven years. They didn't obey. Thus, they were taken into captivity because they didn't obey. Practically speaking, think of your life. Think of your environment. God cares about it that much. He took his children, put them into captivity so that the land could rest. God cares about this a lot. He cares about this principle a lot. You will succeed better if you observe this principle. Mark 2, verse 27. Then Jesus said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. The Sabbath should not become legalistic. Jason should not be like, I've... Gina, during the Sabbath, I'm just going to be alone for like most of the day. Like, I don't want to get distracted. Don't have the TV on when I walk out because I'm going to start, like, hide my phone away. Because if I even look at it, I just start thinking about work. And I've got to, like, act. And we can create a very rigid structure. But the Sabbath should be relaxing. If you're uptight, you're doing it wrong. It's more of a state of mind than it is an activity. For myself, it's like we're going, we went, uh, we went out, we went to go outside and shoot my son's new BB gun. Hey, come on, brother. If I can't be a man, I'll make my son one. Glory to God. Son, you will grow chest hair. You will know how to shoot a gun. So we took him to go shoot his BB gun. And I'm not in a hurry to get in the car. Because I got nothing to do. I'm just chill. It takes us 20 minutes to get everybody buckled in the car, and it's like, I'm not in a hurry, so it's just slowing down. It's perspective change, okay? I want to read this part of Leviticus, again, what Levon shared. Do not make idols, if you could put that up. Again, this is Leviticus 26. Do not make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourselves, and do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I am the Lord your God. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. What is the sanctuary of the Lord? You. You are the sanctuary of the Lord. 
if you won't have reverence for your sanctuary, you are being disobedient to the Lord. This temple of the Holy Spirit must be taken care of. Don't put bad things in it. Sweep it. Clean it. But the Lord is very specific. Have reverence for my sanctuary. And then verse 3. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season. We don't have time to go into this, but we're going to close here. I shared a couple months ago how God wants to ask for us to ask for rain in the time of the latter rain. The latter rain is what's happening all across the world today. We are seeing a mighty move of God. And God is saying, ask for rain. In Zechariah, ask for rain during the time of the latter rain. What is he saying? It means it can be raining and you cannot get wet. God can be moving, but you won't experience it. So he says, ask for rain during the time of the latter rain. And he is saying, if you want the rain in its season, observe my commandments. What are those commandments in the scripture? Do not have any idols. Keep your eyes upon Jesus and observe my Sabbath and honor my sanctuary. This is an area we are quick to move on from. This is an area we're quick to ignore. This is an area that's not fun to talk about because it feels like it's challenging to us. But I'm telling you, you can take the Sabbath, and if you will, your life will change drastically. My kids know what happens on the Sabbath. They're prepared. They actually enjoy it. We enjoy it. It's one of the most fun days of our week. We actually say it almost every time we do it. This is the best day ever because we're stopping. We turn off our phones. We disconnect. We watch a funny movie. We play with our kids. We take a long time to eat because we got nothing to do afterwards. We do puzzles together. We chase sunsets. We go shopping. We work out. I teach my son how to shoot a gun. But we stop and we rest. And I want to encourage you, church, if we are to fulfill what the Lord has asked us to do, this area of rest is paramount. It's important for us. It's important for us to not only acknowledge the need, but to follow. Amen? Amen. Let me just end with this scripture and this thought on rest here. Psalms 116, verse 5, says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Your, your soul will return to rest when your eyes are fixed on Jesus. How gracious he is how righteous he is, how merciful he is. As it says in this passage, as you realize who God is and you have your attention on him, all of a sudden rest will infiltrate your soul. And as you practice that Sabbath rest, it will come into your body and affect your family and affect your life in a powerful way. When we... One thing I want to add yeah. to it is this practically. In ancient times, people started the Sabbath on Friday evening. Okay, when sun, sundown started the Sabbath and then it ended Saturday at sundown, okay? Your Sabbath, again, is not legalistic, is a 24-hour period, okay? I highly advise not breaking it up to like eight hours this day, eight hours that day, eight hours that day. But if it goes from a Friday evening to a Saturday evening or 
what find find what works for you in the Holy Spirit is really, really good about telling you if you're doing it wrong. If you will ask. Okay? But it's a 24-hour period. It is a day. Yeah. And you stop. Amen. As this passage shows us, if you see who God is and you live in a place of simplicity, of focus on him, living for him, being obedient to him, there's rest for you there. The presence of God means that he is present. And that also means that God is present in that moment. If we say God's presence is here, that means he is here. It means he is present. If we are so busy and so cluttered with life that we cannot be present with our families or present with the Lord when we spend time with him, we won't have rest. When I read the scriptures alone with the Lord, I take a big and I approach the scriptures in a place of rest. Because if I'm hurried through the word of God, I will not receive that meal. Your best meals, your most enjoyable meals are the ones how, where really you're not in a hurry really to hard. eat. It's really hard when you got two long-winded preachers trying yes. to talk at the same time. So you're going to be here for the next hour, by the way. Pre- Sorry. Pre- presence means, being present means stillness. Be still before the Lord. Be still and rest in him. Psalms 46.10. Be still and wait on the Lord. Be still and know that he is God. Amen? Why don't you stand? We're going to end there. I, I want to I break my day down for you real quick. I, I, I don't, maybe you don't have these, but I have been approached by a number of people this last week. How do you do it practically? And I've heard it secondhand. How do I do it practically? I just want to kind of break a day down for you for everybody who's thinking, what does this look like? We wake up really late. We sleep in. We have breakfast together. We'll cook breakfast together like my kids will make it with us. Um, we'll maybe read the Bible together after breakfast, just kind of talk about what we read. We'll just play together. Like, we'll just play games. Like, we'll do Legos. We'll do puzzles, like big ones, long 500-piece puzzles. Praise God for those ones. We'll, we'll watch a movie together. We'll, we'll, like, go outside and do a walk or do an activity of some kind. Um, we'll, we'll, I will take time. My wife will take time. We'll just go away and be with the Lord. So I'll just go upstairs in our room and just spend time with Jesus. She'll kind of watch the kids, and we'll, we'll reverse that. Um, like, honestly, it's just chill. I will not check email, and I will not get on social media. Okay, sports for me is not an addiction, so I can watch sports. If it's an addiction for you, don't do it, right? What's responsibility for? If yard work is an everyday thing because you live on a property where you like always got to do it, always got to do it, that's not refreshing, right? So what, what is a work? What is responsibility? What is job? Refrain from that, okay? Well, a responsibility is being a dad. Stop it, okay? What, what is like work for you? Stop doing that and rest, Most of us have five work days, and so the one, one of your days off can be project day, yard work, stuff around the house, and the other day, maybe for you it's a Sunday, you can go to church, be with your family, go home, watch some football, praise the Lord, and uh, eat some good food and spend time together as a family. Maybe that's not, that's, that's not your schedule, but usually 
Most of us don't work six days. So on one of those days, leave the work, the projects out and make room for rest and time with family and time with the Lord. And I'm, I'm, you will begin to feel much better and much different in your life. Amen? Thanks for riding this train with us today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your, your presence. God, we give you all praise and glory. We ask, though, that the, the seeds of this word, Lord, God, would penetrate our hearts. God, that you would give us wisdom and how to navigate the different principles that you, you've shown us today. God, that you would reveal to us your heart in these commandments, Lord, your nature in these things. God, we put our focus and our attention on you, Jesus, to seek your face, to gaze upon your beauty. God, all we want is to be with you and in your presence. God, we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.